Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're reviewing all those amazing reality shows that unfortunately, or in some cases, fortunately, only had one season. Today, join us as we delve even deeper into our series on Gallery Girls. Today, we're going to be discussing episode four, I'm Not Sorry. I'm your host, Frank Pesanek III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. So... Um, I have happy new year, everyone. It is officially 2021. Um, I hope the new year is treating everybody well. Um, I do have some Twitter for us. Um, uh, Heather sent us a lovely Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas back to you, Heather. Thank you so much. Um, where is, oh, and Heather tweeted and said, um, gloom cookie and said, I think I know the mall where you work. Last time we were in D.C., we drove by it, and the name stood out because there was a furniture store I liked in Beverly Hills called Z Gallery that some podcasters have made fun of, and it made me think of it. And um, Heather, I'm sure you probably did. And um, do not be ashamed of your love of Z Gallery because we used to have one in Georgetown, and I used to love it too. And I actually had, um, I think, a lamp from there. They had some cool stuff. Well, there you go. So don't buy the hate, Heather. If you love Z Gallery, just love Z Gallery. and then, um, and then funnily, um, a, a, a Twitter user at SpicyRed54 um, responded to a really old tweet of ours um, from Hill's New Beginnings. <laughs> it just says, Stephanie is a lunatic just like Spencer. Hmm. <laughs> um, it was a response to my tweet on September 9th. Uh, September 9th, 2019, where I said, no one thinks you're a lesbian, Stephanie. Bat shit crazy ass lesbian, no. <laughs> um, and then Heather sent us, and I'm excited about this, and um, I don't know how many seasons it has, but maybe we'll have to cover it. Uh-huh. Um, she sent us a tweet that says, I don't re- remember this at all, but do you guys recall a reality show called Famous Food with Heidi Montag and Danielle Staub? It's free on Tubi TV if you ever want to check it out. No, I don't. Me neither. And I think we should check it out. And if nothing else, we need to watch at least this at one episode because Heidi and Danielle, like I can't even imagine. I'm totally here for it. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then we got two really lovely direct messages. And again, I am really sorry. I saw them weeks late. I don't know what is going on with Twitter, but I never get notifications for direct messages for some reason. And I don't check the Twitter unless I get an alert usually. So I miss them. But that being said... Um, and I don't, when I was discussing this with Mayor, I don't know Twitter etiquette that well. So since these are DMs and they weren't just messages, I'm not going to say the person's, uh, Twitter handle. I'll just say their first name. Um, so Barbara sent us a lovely DM that said, hi, love your podcast. The way I always understood Maggie's internship with Eli is he claimed she has never completed 30 days, which I take to mean 30 consecutive business days. So if she needed a day off or something, the counter goes back to one which I'm sure is a trick to keeping the girls and turning with him forever. I have no idea if this is true. It's just what I thought over multiple viewings, um, which I think makes perfect sense and great sense. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be able to take it very long and she likes to take weeks off whenever she seems, <laughs> seems to want to. So it makes sense. Yeah, so that do- totally makes sense. So thank you for that, Barbara. And then we got an awesome um, DM from Caitlin. And it says, fellow DC Bravo pop culture fan here who rejoined Twitter just to message you. Love listening to your podcast. If you ever need a guest, I would love to come on and talk about any show slash offer my own hot takes. I've seen more Bravo stars than I'd like to admit in the wild, including one Carrie Lisa. And they're pretty much what you expect. Just rewatch the six episode disaster that was Miami Social. So bad, but so amazingly good. Next up is 100 Days of Summer. Recommend both for your podcast. Looking forward to the next Gallery Girls recap. Um, so Caitlin, that is amazing. Um, we definitely need to have a meetup when things get back to normal. I think that yeah. would be so fun. Um, we would love to hear your hot takes and we could definitely talk about having you as a guest on the pod. Um, I responded to her. Um, and the one thing I did tell her was that I watched, I didn't watch Miami social, but I did watch hundred days of summer, which was good. Um, but sadly the gay guy from it died. Which one was hundred days of summer? The Chicago one. Oh, I think I watched that too. Yeah, but the gay guy, um, I th- think he had cancer and he died, which is like a bummer. But thank you so much, Caitlin. Um, we really appreciate it. And um, thank yeah, you for rejoining Twitter just for us. And I would like to give a little side shout out to um, Chris Massey one who's one of our longtime listeners and followers. 
Um, on his weight loss journey, Chris, I like happened to check into, I think it was Instagram the other day. And um, Chris has lost a ton of weight. Chris, you look amazing and keep up the good work. Hey, awesome. Um, so that's it for me. Very nice. All happy things too. Love it. Um, so this week's Caddy Catalog, again, fitting to the episode, which you know I love, it just works out perfectly for me, is one Miss Angela Pham. Oh, good. Good, good, good. I'm, I'm very curious about this. Yes. Uh, so Angela's desire to be a photographer slash it girl has come true, everyone. She did it. Yay! <laughs> Angela, um, as we know, grew up in Orange County and she is Vietnamese, which I actually don't think that we knew. So strict Vietnamese parents, as she has alluded to. She moved to New York City when she was 18 and she went to NYU. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, So she started taking pictures while she was a student at NYU, but she didn't really get invested in it or take it seriously until she was spending time in London after graduation. And I couldn't find exactly what she was doing in London after graduation, but eventually she was hired to shoot photos at an event. Um, and that's, oh. sort of, that's what piqued her interest and got her motivated. And when she moved back to New York, um, she really wanted to work with the Billy Farrell agency because they were they specialized in event photography. And according to her, she hounded them for a job. And then she eventually got one. And as of a... She didn't make Alex sound them for her. Oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> um, and then as of a Refinery29 article from 2013, she says that she had been a photographer with the agency for two years. Okay. So I, think I wonder it, what her degree was in, in at NYU. I'm assuming that it was fine art, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find that out. Um, so she, as she did kind of become an it girl after this show, and she's done a lot of interviews with magazines about like what it's like to be, um, a photographer at these fancy events and sort of like how she dresses for the occasion, given her style and the fact that she needs to kind of be functional at the same time. So I found a bunch of articles with Refinery29 and Vogue and Harper's Bazaar about- Oh, Wow. Yeah. And, you know, they're basically just like short question questionnaires with a, you know, an event photographer. Um, So she did a pretty good job of pimping herself out. Um, So there is one article with Vogue uh, from 2015, where she admits that earlier in her career, she dressed too bold to be an event photographer, which I thought was kind of funny. And (laughs) she told a story about how she was wearing a gold pleated LeMay thing um, to shoot a food event with a famous chef that was also being televised. And apparently her dress was like giving feedback on camera. I'm sure. Um, and she also said in the Vogue interview that she never wears heels, that she wasn't good at it. And, um, that her camera gear was too burdensome, which is funny because last episode she was doing quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, and she had a short-lived column with Harper's Bazaar back in 2014. Um, it was only four articles. They were all travel-related. So it was like her in Colombia and her in Italy working and sort of talking about what it was like and taking her own pictures and all that kind of stuff. Um, in the winter, so December of 2017, she created... Deach and Fam, which is a photography agency with her friend Samantha Deach, I'm assuming. Okay. Um, and they do commercial photography. And I found that her friend and partner now, Samantha, also used to work at the Billy Farrell agency. So clearly that's how oh. they met and became besties um, and business partners. And they, on their website, um, they have worked with some really big deal clients, which is cool. Um, Daily Harvest, Alice and Olivia, Harper's Bazaar, Postmates, Bare Minerals, Nicole Miller, Madewell, like- Oh, wow. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. And according to their website, they specialize in what they call a micro shoot. Okay, what is that? So I, I took down what their website says. A term we coined to describe our streamlined process of creating digital campaign assets. We create youthful and vibrant imagery for clients who feel- overwhelmed by the continual task of content management. Our focus is to provide each client with a customized seasonal reserve of imagery that feels seamlessly integrated into their brand aesthetic while infusing our own unique perspective. So Uh 
Yeah, I think, <laughs> I don't understand how that explains what a micro shoot is. No. I think they're, what their claim to fame, according to them, is, is that they give all these brands a library of imagery to use for like social media and stuff that they can then reuse. I was going to say, it just sounds like they use, like have stock photos that they give to everybody. Right. Like, they like their are, stock photos. Exactly. But they call it a micro shoot. Which, okay, I call it lazy. Yeah, well, I think I was wondering too if it described what they do with products because that's what they do so much of is like bare minerals and like actual products. They don't do people photos. So I was like, what is a micro shoot? How does that, I don't know. Um, I should reach out. My cousin who lives in New York um, works in like PR, like she does like windows for Century 21 and like things of that nature and events for Nespresso and all kinds of things like that. So I'll have to ask her if she's ever heard of their agency or use them or anything. Yeah, they have some big deal clients. Their website is nice too. Like their work looks really good. Um, so then in a more recent um, interview that I found with Angela, um, she was interviewed by Who, What, Where just fall of 2019. Um, she is still a photographer and she has even shot the Met Gala, which is quite a big deal. Wow, that is a big deal. Yep. Um, and now she is very active on her Instagram. She mostly shoots pictures of herself. And of course. Yep. And she has a cottage in Rhinebeck, New York, just like two hours north of the city. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of pictures of her like in a rowboat or next to a lake, like wearing some, you know, vintage dress or something like that. Um, are these selfies or pictures that people are taking of her? I think she sets up the portraits herself. She does. Okay. Um, that's my guess anyway, because I noticed in some old articles, uh, one of the Harper's Bazaar articles, it was a photo of her from far away, but it said photo by Angela Pham. Oh, okay. So she's just like tripoding and shuddering think, and all that. Stuff. I think so. Yeah. Um, and she says in the article that she looked at several houses before committing to this place that's Lakeside in Rhinebeck. And she says that she's dating an architect. Oh, good for her. Get houses. So that's what Angela's doing. You know, she's still doing all the things she's doing on Gallery Girls, which is exciting. But now she does have a bigger following. So good for her. Yeah. That's Angela Pham for you. Are you ready? I am ready. You're not sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. I am not sorry. I couldn't figure out why the episode was called that. Is that an allude to Amy and Liz later? I think so, yeah. I think okay. it's an allude to, to Liz. Okay. Um, so we open the episode with Carrie at her apartment with her mom, and she is getting ready for a housewarming party. And yes. her mom points out that she has a hole in the elbow of her cardigan. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all that happens uh and the timeline seemed a little off to me in this episode with a few things um because we saw her mom helping her move and organize things a few episodes back and then she says she's gonna throw the housewarming party on friday and there were some other things that i thought this episode felt a little more pieced together than previous episodes we've watched agreed um i i thought that as well i thought the timeline was i feel like they took a bunch of timelines that happened at different times and mushed them all into one episode. Yep. Um, I also thought that this, as so far out of the four episodes we've seen, that this was a little bit of a snooze fest. It was, and it was the easiest to take notes on. Yeah, I only have two pages <laughs> of notes. I actually didn't get my act together to watch last night because I usually watch twice. I just watched it this morning, and I'm glad because if I had to watch it twice, I would have been like, oh. Yeah. So then we go briefly to Maggie's apartment. She is drinking champagne with her friend, Chris. They are talking about what she's going to be doing for her upcoming birthday. And she thinks that they're going bowling. And he says, that's trashy, Maggie. <laughs> it's not wrong. I mean, I love bowling as much as the next person, but like it, it's trashy in a fun way, but he's not wrong. Um, I was a little distracted because for some reason, did, did Maggie's apartment seem like Maggie to you? Because it didn't seem like Maggie to me. No, and I'm wondering if she has a roommate or something. I don't know. My favorite was, did you notice that over that hideously ugly couch that there was just one wall-mounted speaker above the couch with, like, the cord showing? And it was, I don't know, it was a cheap speaker. It was, like, you know, like a four-inch by, like, eight-inch speaker. It was very strange. Yeah. It just wall-mounts, like, a random speaker. Yeah, her apartment is a little odd, and I almost wonder if she, if her roommate, if she has a roommate, one, and two, if her roommate is a guy. Maybe Chris is the roommate. Maybe. Um, but she does talk up the fact that this will be her first birthday with Ryan, and he's bringing a lot of his friends. 
Yeah. And oh and boy. Does he ever? Yeah. Does he ever? Yep. And Angela is down in Chinatown taking photos. Um, and this is when she's taking photos of the redheaded woman, right? I think so. Um, yes, because then we see that woman later at end of century, and I'm guessing it's a model friend of hers. Um well, there also was. She was also taking a picture of that Asian guy in front of the donut shop. So there, um, there was. She yeah. took a couple different pictures, and um, but that's after. Yeah. So she says that for her upcoming show, Alex, her friend, has found the perfect venue. This place, Norwood, in the West Village, and it's perfect. And she says the only thing missing are the actual photos. <laughs> um. So I did a little. Well, in between that, before she says that. Didn't we get the Carrie inviting Maggie? That's just after, but yeah. Oh, it was after. Okay, so I wonder, maybe I, I'm out of order. Um, but they, so I don't have much to say about this, except that um, I looked up Peter Pan Donuts. It is still open and exists. Yep. Um, and I looked up Norwood. Me too. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, but it's a Victorian wedding venue, which I thought was I an interesting choice for an incredibly small hip art show. They had some small rooms available, I noticed, and they also had a garden, but... I thought she wanted it like a hip, smoky Brooklyn bar. I know. I mean, Or in Manhattan bar. I mean, like, that was what I thought the vibe she was going for, like... Right. Not Victorian elegance. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. <laughs> I know. I also think she's so excited about it. She's calling it perfect because she doesn't care. Um... So Carrie invites Maggie to her housewarming party very quickly. And she says that she has plans with her friend Liz. Could she bring her? And, you know, Carrie says, of course, the more the merrier. So then we get back to Angela and she's now in Greenpoint, apparently still taking photos. Um, And that's, this is where the donut thing happened. Yeah. And she talks about how her parents have a very conventional idea of success. um, And Alex calls while she is shooting and says that Norwood backs out. Um, and that there are only a couple days to go before her show, so she's very upset. And he says that no one wants to throw an event for an unknown photographer. And yeah. she she's very upset and says, you're supposed to talk me up. And then she says that he needs to keep looking because she's already told everyone. I, I have this in my notes later, but we can discuss it now. If the show is in a few days, yes. and you don't have a venue... How are you promoting said show? Correct. And what is the urgency of the show? Like she's already said the photos aren't ready. She wants to put on a show, mm-hmm. but I don't understand why it has to be right now. I mean, I get the inclination to like the once you've decided to do something that like you're you want to do it. Like you're like I'm I've, I've sat on my heels for this. Like I'm gonna get do it. I'm gonna get it done. So I get that. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't, it could be whenever, like this is just her show that she's putting together. And I would think she'd want enough advance notice to invite people out of her social circle, because if this is only happening in a couple of days and they're only going to know the venue the day before, the only people attending this event are going to be people she already knows. And I would think the point of an art show like this is to expand your fan base. So how is she going to do that if it's only people she knows? I don't know. I don't know very strange and it gets it, was strange. Strange. it gets more strange later um so then we go to maggie's apartment and she and ryan are getting ready to go to dinner apparently this is her birthday i guess um and she wonders if it's bad to get a diet coke and a wine and said that italian people mix it i thought that was a spanish thing okay so here's the funny thing is that and it's not diet coke it's she said diet coke and red wine right, it's, it's coke yeah. Um, so I always thought it was an Italian thing because my grandmother drank it and it's actually fucking delicious. Right. Um, and, but so I had always said that. I'm like, oh, it's an Italian thing. It's an Italian thing. And I was in New York with my sister uh, a couple years ago and um, we went to this bar in Manhattan that had it on the menu. They were like bread wine. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting it. Like Nana used to drink that. It's so good. It's an Italian thing. And my sister's like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of that. Because my sister's 13 years younger than me and my, she was younger when my grandmother died. Um, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, Nana always drank. It's an Italian thing. Like, I swear to God. And we looked it up and it was like, oh, it's a Spanish thing. I so Spanish I guess it's too. a most people thing because Maggie and I both think it's an Italian thing, but whatever. Either way, it's delish and you guys should try it. Cheap red wine and Coke. It's yummy. Yeah. Um, so Ryan takes her to dinner at the Palm. And- um, which, shockingly, yes. not still open. 
So the Palm in DC is currently open. I mean, it's obviously not closed. I think they're just like shuttered for COVID, but they're not doing carryout or anything. There's four locations in New York and three of the four were closed. Um, One, it looked like was open for carryout, but it was not the one they were at. Hmm. Interesting. Um, And we find out that Ryan is a financial analyst and she doesn't want red wine and they have this back and forth about how he's supposed to pick wine, but she doesn't want red because of her veneer. And then he said, if you want white, you pick it. And then she ends up drinking red. This whole date kind of annoyed me. Um, And she says that, you know, when they met, he took her to a dive bar near his apartment, but she said they had instant chemistry. And my note says, really? Yeah. I don't see it at all. Like at all. I mean, he's got a hot body. I think he's cute, whatever. Um, I could get if this is just a physical thing for her, but I don't get how they relate on any level at all. No, it seems almost like she's out to dinner with someone else's boyfriend sometimes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or like a distant cousin. Like, it's weird. Yeah, and like, they, they just have this really weird back and forth. And she says she's been in New York longer and guys are supposed to take charge, but he's not like that. And they joke about the red wine and skydiving. And I, I actually thought the skydiving thing was really funny when she I did said too. she didn't want to do it because she was afraid that the person she was strapped to was going to be a suicide mission skydiver. I know. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and then she poutily asks him if he got her her crumbs cupcake. A giant cupcake from crumbs. Right. Which was such a flashback for me because the coworker that I talked about on this podcast that reminds me of Amy from gallery girls used to be Uh obsessed with crumbs cupcakes (laughs) (laughs) because there wasn't, there was one not that far from the office. And anytime someone had a birthday, she would, you know, put it on the company card and everyone was like, we don't care about this. Like we don't need you to go there. Um, so instead they order a giant piece of chocolate cake and I don't understand what she's telling him to do. She points at it and the whole thing is made of chocolate top to bottom. And she says, I want that piece of chocolate right there. So he cuts this piece of cake in half into two pieces. And then she says, are you trying to kill me? She's very, Um, very pouty this episode. I thought the giant cupcake from crumbs was supposed to be for the party, for the bowling. Maybe. Yeah, because he was like, I would have had to order it a week in advance. Like, I I was confused. I did not think the cupcake was supposed to be for this dinner. Um, But yeah, I don't get how you beg for a giant cupcake and are pissed that you don't get it and then freak out over a slice of chocolate cake, which, by the way, should have been eaten by yourself. Like, there's no need to ever share dessert with anyone ever, especially if it's a giant piece of chocolate cake. Eat it your fucking... And then later in the episode, we'll get there, but, you know, she is presented with cupcakes and says she doesn't want one and then immediately grabs one. So quit it, Maggie. We all know you like cake. Yeah, calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then we go to end of century and Chantal is going to be modeling with a Japanese magazine called Fudge, which is still in existence, it looks like. Oh, cool. Um, I couldn't figure out where to get it or if they have a website or whatever, but I, you know, I think you can buy older issues of it or something. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. not still in existence, but I don't know. Anyway. What I found interesting is that she seems to be using some of the clothing from end of century for this photo shoot with the magazine, which good on her. That's clever for a store that needs to sell some stuff. But I've also never, maybe I don't understand how Japanese fashion magazines work, but I don't understand like a fashion shoot for a magazine in your own clothes in your apartment. I know. Unless it's a, like, unless it's like a like a New York magazine, like meet this person, but that's not a fashion magazine. So usually, a fashion magazine is selling clothes. Yeah, and they wouldn't be paying her to sell her clothes that she sells. So like, none of it makes any sense to me at all. Right. So she says at the beginning of the scene that she lined up a photo shoot with the Japanese magazine. So I'm wondering if actually she's not being paid for this shoot, but then she's talking about her previous modeling jobs where she did get paid. Anywhere from 50 to $5,000. Yeah. Um, And she said, young Japanese women really like me and admits that it's because she looks like an anime character. Which I thought was very astute on her part. Yeah. (laughs) She does look like an anime character. And then we hear more about her boyfriend Spencer's, um, like of Asian women and that one time she was going through something in his apartment and found a pipe and four Asian porn DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear more. Oh, Oh my God. I'm so stupid. She means like a pot pipe, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what my problem is, but I thought she meant like a pipe. 
like an old like a tiny... piece of like fiberglass piping. I'm like, why does he have a pipe? And it's like that makes no uh... sense. <laughs> oh, oh boy, honey. Oh boy. Uh, so then we go to see Liz, and she's in her apartment, kind of doing laundry and torturing her dog with it. And she is getting ready to go to um, print and design New York, sort of an art presentation walk through thing with Jane Holzer. And she invited Maggie to come since Maggie didn't get to meet Jane since Eli had her locked in a closet. (laughs) Now, this is where I'm a little confused. When Jane came into the gallery, did she, were she and Liz friends then? Yeah. I thought, Oh, she was. Okay, I guess I didn't pick up on that when we watched it the first time. Liz got up to greet her and was kind of like, Liz basically introduced her to Eli. Okay, I did not pick up on that first time because I was like so confused. I'm like, huh, what? Like now all of a sudden you're friends and going to like shows together? This is weird. Yeah, and did you see Liz's eyeshadow palette, by the way? It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It, was a lot. It, was, it was a lot. <laughs> yes, there, it was a lot of color. It was a lot of color in that palette. Oh, boy. Um, she definitely... Not in her voice and demeanor, but if I just saw a picture of her, I would think that she was an extra from like Rock of Love or like a Tila Tequila show or something along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, of course, you know, Liz and Maggie are walking around with Jane and then Sharon is also there with Carrie and Amy. And was this the same thing we saw them at with Sharon last episode? Or this was a no, that was different. Um, because okay. last episode was just art, and this was the print and design expo. So there was it was furniture and all kinds of stuff. Okay. So it was a different it was a different show. Okay, and Sharon points out to Carrie that if she wants to keep going with her pursuit of kind of designing and art curating for hotels, that she should really pay attention to furniture. Um, just a random aside there. Um, and of course, they all run into one another, and introductions are made. Um, <laughs> Maggie says anything is being better than stuck at the gallery with Eli. I bet. I yeah. bet. Um, and then Liz says that Amy is her social albatross. <laughs> and <laughs> that they, they've known each other since preschool. And when Amy runs into her, it is sad that she just like clams up and can't, like she just can't hang. She, She's so afraid of Liz being mad at her or not wanting to be her friend that she really just kind of shuts down in her presence. Does, now, do we know what Amy's dad does? We meet, like, she, we meet huh? Amy's dad later. Okay, well, because here's the, I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm curious to know if he runs in the art world as well. And if Liz's dad is a more powerful art person than Amy's dad, and maybe that's, I mean, I know Amy has a million issues and wants everyone to like her, we'll talk about that later, but... Um, I wonder if that's another reason for this weirdness. Like if Amy is. I don't think so. I think. No. I think their fathers know each other just as like two upper crust people from Miami. And I think they, they were friendly when they were younger. Like when Amy says they've known each other since preschool, I think what she means is that they used to be friends and now that they're adults, they're not. Oh, see, I just took it like they just went to the same schools. Like, we're cordial, maybe not great friends, but like, hey, how are you? You know, like, not in the same friend group, but we hung might, out. We adjacent. might find out more when they go to Miami. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, Liz says that she really can't hang out with someone as messy as Amy, especially after going to rehab. Which I understand, but Liz is also out and she drinks. And, like, I get where someone to, like Amy, who is partying later, is just incredibly annoying. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily the only part of the issue she has with Amy. I think Amy just annoys her. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that if someone, but I wonder which begat which, like did the sloppy drinking up the annoyance factor? And so now like everything she does annoys her or was she already annoyed with her because she's like the puppy dog and then, and they're just not going to have the same vibe. And then the drinking has made it worse. Like it could really go either way. Yeah. I think the drinking made it worse. I think Amy is very clearly like a brown nose and like kind of annoying. And then she's also a sloppy drunk. Yeah. But, um, but Amy actually, can we talk about how her hair looks better when the curl falls? Like uh, her, yeah. Her hair was not as stiff this episode. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, she must have missed one of her four times a week blowouts. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, she didn't, she barely had Miss Piggy hair at all this episode. I know. And she looked much better for it. Yeah. Agreed. So then we go to Carrie's apartment for her housewarming party. And Angela is actually the first to arrive, which for some reason I found shocking. (laughs) Oh, why? I don't know. I just feel like Angela would be like taking forever to get ready or like, I don't know. I was just surprised that she would care enough to like arrive on time to someone's event. Yeah, I guess that's true. I could see that. Yeah. But I, at the same time, I was I would be much more shocked if Chantal was the first one there. True. But I'm still surprised that one of the Brooklyn girls was the first to arrive, I guess. Um, so Carrie's apartment is very nice and people keep talking about how nice and big it is. And at first I thought it was a studio. Um, but then I remembered that we got a shot of her collapsing on her bed, like in the other room when her mom was there. So it actually is a pretty big apartment. For New York, for sure. Yeah. That is a very big apartment for New York. Um, what do you think? Um, I'd be curious to know what she's paying. I would guess eight years ago, what, like 4,000 a month? Probably. And she says she found it on Craigslist. But I wonder. I thought in New York you had to use a broker. I don't know. Like, I thought to get an apartment in New York, like, even if it's a rental, you have to use a broker and pay brokerage fees. And that's part of the reason why it's such bullshit. I also wonder maybe if one of her lifestyle clients is like a real estate agent and helped her find it. Maybe. Or maybe her boss is paying for it. Maybe. Um, so Angela admits that, you know, Carrie's apartment's very nice and that she found most of her furniture on the street. And people slowly trickled in and Carrie's introducing them. And Angela is actually being quite friendly. She is much friendlier than the end of Century Girls, actually. You well, know, I 100% came around on Angela this episode. Yeah, she does have a few moments that I'm still like, ick, but she, she, this was her best showing so far. Agreed, 100%. And she does... This is not quite her crowd, but you did see her talking to pretty much everybody. She's talking to the sorority girls from Syracuse. She's talking to Carrie. She's talking to Liz. She's talking to Amy. Like, she does a good job of floating around. Yeah. Uh, um, so she says she wants to know, like, which sorority Carrie and her friend were in. <laughs> she was like, well, sororities, there's always, like, the slutty one, the smart one. Like, which one were you guys? And they say that they were a mix. <laughs> no, you have insight into this. Was it a mix? Um. I don't think so. And I remember from the person I know that was in the sorority, the, their little motto was alpha fee all for free. So I think they were a tad slutty, but okay, also I like, like that. I'm here for that. Yeah. I mean, what sorority isn't a tad slutty? Like, I don't know. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Angela says that they're all tan <laughs> with straight white teeth and express blouses. um so liz and maggie show up and then the end of century girls arrive um and i actually kind of enjoyed this scene because it felt like the first time that they all actually get along to an extent yeah um at least enough they all get along enough um and they start playing this game from a bowl of truth or dare questions (laughs) um the question is like what what's your fantasy that you would never act on or something like that? Here's my issue with this is that I think that she misspoke and I don't think it was a bowl of truth or dare questions because I think it was just like a party game. Like those, like, would you ever or whatever? Like it's not like, or the book of questions or something like that. Like it wasn't a truth or dare. It wasn't like answer this or like run around the room. Like, I don't think Angelo got that quite right, but. Yeah. Um, but then Claudia admits that it's that she wants to sleep with Spencer in front of Chantal and Spencer. <laughs> I was very annoyed with this scene because Bravo fucking played us like they always do. And they made it look like in the preview that Spencer talks about his Asian fetish and gets slapped. And that is a thousand percent not what happened. No, no, it's all a big joke. It's totally a big joke. And also, am I, I mean, I like nerdy Jewish guys too, but I don't get the Spencer appeal. Like, why are they all like, like Chantal, Claudia, Angela, like, why are they all down for Spencer? I don't get it. It's because he's the only boyfriend in the group. So like, he says that he's the perfect boyfriend. So I think Chantal is the one friend who has a very nice boyfriend who does things for her and they all don't have it. So therefore he's on a pedestal. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not um, seeing it. 
and then he admits, uh, Spencer admits that Chantal and him kind of got in a fight, although we don't know how serious that is, over Angela because he has an Asian fetish. And Chantal worries that he has a thing for Angela, which he seems to, actually. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, so Maggie and Liz are sitting on the couch by themselves and they say, no one wants to hang out with us. It's like, well, it's because you're acting like two stone cold bitches over in the corner. <laughs> you could get up and mingle if you wanted to. Well, I also thought it was really weird that Maggie said it's 75% guys in here. And all I saw were girls. I know. So like, what are you talking about? And then Maggie says that the, the level of hotness of guys in here is a two. And Liz says, no, it's a negative 47. <laughs> um, so then Amy arrives with a friend who looks kind of like her and, you know, Liz of course wants nothing to do with Amy, but they're all chatting and Carrie is actually the most mature and says in her confessional, she doesn't quite understand why Liz and Maggie are ragging on Amy so hard, but she's just not down for it and she doesn't want to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Carrie is the most level-headed, like a normal one out of the whole bunch. I know she really is, but the, I, this is, I think this that's is, why she's on the show the least. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this is where Angela got me, like, won me over a little bit, though, because I um, liked that she was talking about how she used to model, but then she got dropped by her agency because she got too fat because she likes food too much. I know. Um, which I can really appreciate. Um, I did think it was very on brand for a Brooklyn girl like her to suddenly think Liz is okay because she saw her sleeve of tattoos. Yeah. She said, like, I judged Liz as being, like, you know, from Orange County or Miami. And then I saw her sleeve and I thought she was more badass than I thought grow up yeah stop it so then amy says that she and liz seem to be officially frenemies and she has to leave because she has a charity event and then they all talk about how amy is very sweet and angela says but i think the sweetness is veiling something and liz feels so vindicated by the fact that someone else has noticed this um and liz has the quote that um next to amy even the brooklyn girls seem interesting yeah I really, we have to get to the Miami episode. I want to remember what happens. <laughs> um, so then we go to Maggie's apartment and they are going bowling for her birthday. And we're drinking more champagne with her friend, Chris. And she starts, you know, talking about how Ryan is bringing his crazy friends and we meet them and Bobby, Eddie and Eric all burst through the door. I was a little disappointed because I expected them to be hotter. Yeah, they were not. Like, I wanted hot meatheads, and I did not get hot meatheads. I mean, they're all from Jersey, right? Like... Oh, is it Jersey or Long Island? I don't know. Either one would make sense. Like, for, yeah. for the... It, it sounded like it to me. My favorite part of this whole exchange, though, was how the one guy whose name I can't remember is claiming that in Miami, his friends made him a grinder profile as a joke and then yes. showed the half thing. And I was like, sure, Jan. Sure. Sure your friends did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do like that Maggie's friend Chris said that he wants to use Ryan's photos on his grinder profile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so then we get them bowling at Bullmore Lanes and I, the scene bored me. Um, you know, which it, is in Times Square and it is still open. And I was a little shocked that they were at a bowling alley in Times Square. I know. Like, why aren't they at like Lucky Strike at like Chelsea Pierce or something? Like, this just seemed weird. I don't know. Um, but it's all just like, the boys are getting too drunk and getting rowdy. And I was embarrassed for Maggie in a way, except that she totally brought it on herself. Like that is not at all what she wanted to be doing for her birthday. And she just didn't speak up about it. Well, and this is another case of Bravo screwing us because in the previews, it made it look like there was a big altercation. There was some kind of drunken shenanigan fight. Like none of that happened. Like it yeah. was innocuous. It was just like, whatever. Like yeah. it was like some drunk meatheads being dumb at a bowling alley not a big deal at all. Like no one, no one from the bowling alley came over to yell at that. Like it was fine. I know. Um, but she tells Ryan she, that he's making them look like fools. And I mean, he kind of was, but whatever. So then we go back to Angela's apartment. <laughs> Dare I say, I kind of wanted to hang out with the end of century girls. If only this one time, cause I thought it was funny. Um, they do Sunday potluck dinner parties and they decided that this week's theme would be sorority sluts in honor of Carrie and her friends, <laughs> which is really not nice, but it just looked kind of funny. And I appreciated that Angela wore like a bright pink, what looked like Juicy Couture hoodie, but it probably wasn't, and a blonde wig. And she made herself a hat and she put Greek letters on it that <laughs> spelled yo. 
<laughs> like it said, why Omega, which I thought was really funny. Um, but then she turns back into a little bitch and she starts talking about how like sorority girls only drink cocktails they saw in Sex in the City and maybe occasionally they drink a beer, but it's too caloric for them. And after I saw her drinking that lychee martini, like don't, don't do that, Angela. I don't like it. I, um, I had, I will give her credit for wearing a wig cap, but I will not give her credit for that ratty ass synthetic. I mean, that wig was probably $5. Yeah. It looked pretty gross. I mean, I get it. It was just for a stupid apartment party, but I thought it was really funny that she went to the trouble to put a wig cap on. Well, I also liked that they were eating frozen pizza. They had a cake baked in like a disposable nine by 13 pan and they were smoking inside. (laughs) <laughs> the smoking inside part was I was so excited about because um, yeah. that always excites me. And I, um, I, but like, I am not, like, if I bake something, it does not look like it came from a, a, a store. But even I could have frosted that goddamn cake better. Like, they missed the edges. Like, it was terrible. Like, that was janky. It looked like a 10-year-old made it. I know. Except that they put <laughs> Greek letters on that, too, and they just did Delta Delta, but they made them look kind of like boobs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was so mean-spirited, but part of it was funny. Um, And then Chantal admits that her impression of a sorority is just girls drinking a lot and then eating unhealthy food and crying about it. (laughs) That sounds like a bad Lifetime movie that she watched or something. Um, I was too distracted by the fact that the tag was still on either Chantal's bra or blouse that I couldn't think of anything else. Like, does she just wear the clothes from end of century with the tags on whenever she wants and then puts them back on the rack? I bet she does. Probably. She probably Probably doesn't even clean them. Yeah, probably. Um, So then they, as they're smoking indoors and all of that, they start talking again about Angela's photo show because Alex is there with them having dinner. And she says, without a space, she doesn't have a show. And he says, well, maybe you should throw your own party, honey. And she awkwardly asks Chantal and Claudia, can she show at end of century? And Claudia says that they're booked. And then she says, well, I was counting on you guys. <laughs> it's like, how many people are you counting on to do this for you? Well, and, and also if there, I mean, I get that, that she's being very needy and not letting, doing a lot of the work for herself, but I also didn't understand end of century is not open every day. I mean, let's be very clear about that. Yeah. And there's no reason on one of the off days that they couldn't, I mean, she wants to hang up 10 fucking pictures. Like they could have done it. Like yeah. it could have been done. Yeah. And they throw quick events all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Trunk shows and whatever. Like it, they, they could have made it happen if they wanted to. Right. And then she says that this is Alex's fault. And he was like, you have no budget. So this is where I started to get very mad at Angela and it comes out again later she wants to do the event without paying for the space. So she yeah. basically wants Alex to make a miracle happen. A hundred percent. But I like that he's at least putting his foot down and being like, it's, it'll happen when it happens and I'm trying my best and like, get over yourself. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how he ever got into negotiations with Norwood in the first place, given that she has no money for it. Like he must be trying really hard. Well, I would assume... I, well, and I, I didn't look into Norwood too hard, but they, I'm assuming that they have a bar or sell alcohol or whatever. And I'm guessing that the, I mean, I used to do some club promoting like in my early twenties. So a very long time ago, but um, you, you just, you have to promise them people. Like they'll do whatever. If you say, I can guarantee there's going to be a hundred people here buying drinks. They'll be like, sure, come on in. Especially if it's an off night. Like if it's a Monday, if it's a Tuesday, whatever. Like they're happy to do it if you can guarantee them liquor sales. Um, where people run into trouble and where they won't have you back is if you do this and then four people show up and they don't sell anything and then the venue hates you. So I'm assuming that's how he's approaching it. Like, oh, I have this amazing new artist. She's going to bring in X number of people. Like you're going to sell so many drinks. It'll promote your place. Blah, blah. I'm, I'm guessing that's the angle he's shooting from. Okay. Well, he is trying though. You know, he's negotiating yeah. with the venue for her. And then they all have a cake fight and that's where they lose me. Cake is, I not, worth, was cake is literally not worth throwing. Screaming. I was like, <laughs> you're, ne- you're going to get rats. You're never going to be able to clean that all up. There's frosting and cake everywhere. Like I was wanted to cry. I know. For Angela. Because she didn't start it. Like it was Chantal that actually threw the actual cake. And I was like, this is, ugh. And you know that like, they, I bet there was like frosting and cake in that apartment for weeks. Yeah, Gross. No, no. Gross. Um, and then we see Chantal do yoga. 
I am completely spaced out for that part because it was just an interstitial because I watched it on the NBC app. So it was in between the commercials. Yeah. Um, and I was just like taking notes and just like whatever. Like I barely did. So- it's a very short scene of her doing yoga and she says that even though you're not supposed to compare yourself to others in yoga she's always in the top five in the room how do you know that do they, know. is this some kind of yoga class that they rank is like orange theory for yoga like they rank you like how the no. fuck do you know that? it looked really old school actually um but she says i'm not at all worried about the store and i'm in total relaxation mode and i was like yeah you always are you're never worried about the store She's never worried about anything ever. No. And then the instructor comes over to touch her and says like, you know, push against my hands with your breath. And she like snaps out of it. And she says, wait, I didn't sign up to be touched, especially not by strangers. She doesn't say that to them, but she says it in her confessional. And I think it's really funny because I have that too. Well, I have that as well. But if she's in the top five of the yoga class, I, I mean, I haven't taken that many yoga classes that I did date a yoga instructor for a while. They fucking touch you. That's one of the reasons I don't like it. Like they manipulate you and move you and what, I mean, that's part of yoga. So how are you in the top five if that's not happening to you? I don't know. I always like when a yoga instructor, when you like close your eyes and they say like, raise your hand if you wish not to be adjusted, because that's me, my hand. I've never, I've never gotten that option, but sign me the fuck up. Yeah, no, the last, I mean, the last yoga class I went to was probably like eight years ago or something because it's not for me, but I definitely like, I put my hand right up, like, don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then we get Maggie and Liz walking around a park and complaining about Ryan. And Liz says that Maggie complains about Ryan a lot. And she thinks that Maggie needs to stand up for herself. Liz had a very interesting quote that I wrote down and she said, even though I come from a very wealthy family, I still know how to stick up for myself. I know. Which made no sense to me. I thought wealthy people always know how to stick up for themselves. Like, what are you talking about? Don't think wealthy people are, mostly have a sense of entitlement. Like, I don't, like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, doesn't she just threaten legal action like every other rich person? I mean, the only thing that made sense to me is if she was talking about in a relationship that maybe, like, rich women don't always stand up to their powerful counterpart. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just made no sense to me. Yeah. And she, her whole point is that Maggie needs to tell Ryan what to do, like, tell Ryan what she actually wants, which there is a point in that, but also Maggie needs to date someone who actually is what she wants, you know, yeah. and Ryan, and Ryan doesn't seem to be that. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Mag, what Maggie needs and this person is gross, but she needs like an attractive Woody Allen type. I feel like she needs like a nebbishy New Yorky. Like I could see her with a Spencer-ish kind of guy for sure. But, like, this whole meathead attraction is not, like, I get it because they're good looking, but, like, on an intellectual level, I don't get it from her at all. Like, it doesn't make sense to me in the least. No. Like, why she's attracted to that. No, it seems just like a very young 20s relationship. Um, so, Angela is getting ready at her apartment, and she is going to shoot an event at End of Century, and she needs to talk to Alex, and she says that his failure is my failure. No, it's just your failure. Yeah. Like, it's just your failure. Yep. And she said her biggest fear is that her parents are right and she can't make it as a photographer, which made me happy because she's still one today. So I'll give her that. Yeah. And then she says, and when I stress out, I dress out. And she wears what she calls her gothosaur outfit, which I thought was actually hilarious. It was hilarious. And I didn't hate it. No. So it's kind of, it's a black, almost like leotard sweater, long sleeve thing that has shapes sticking out of it. Um, I thought it looked exactly like something that Catherine O'Hara would have worn in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. Um, and she gets to end of century and Chantal is dressed like a vampire, or so they say. Um, and she, I, knowing that the way this, their style works, um, she was thrilled by that comment. Oh, yeah. For sure. She definitely was like, oh. And her hair isn't particularly vampire-y to me, but her top was. Oh, I think that the slicked back, it was very like interview with a vampire. I guess so. Yeah. I forgot that they have low ponytails in that movie and it looks pulled back. Um, And Eli Klein makes an appearance at end of century. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm sure because of the show was like, hey, we're filming, come to EOC. But like, it didn't make any sense. Well, so there are a couple things that didn't make sense. So one, he congratulates them for putting themselves out there, which is actually very nice. Claudia's touched that he came and says, 
in her confessional that she can't believe he made it downtown. Soho is downtown. It's just on the other side. Like, he, his gallery is downtown. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're in the Lower East Side, right? Yeah, but Soho is certainly not, not uptown. It's adjacent, but it's not. I mean, I think she means, like, all the way downtown. I guess. Plus, you know how New York people are? Like, I mean, you watch the houses, and they're always like, oh, I can't go below whatever street. Blah. Like, I can't believe I'm downtown. Blah. Like, they don't consider Soho downtown. Jesus Christ. Um, Angela says she spends a lot of time and money on clothes. I can tell you after reading all these articles about her, that is true. Um, she jokes that she shoplifts at Barney's. You know what, Angela? Maybe you're part of the reason why Barney's had to go to business. Did you ever think of that? Yeah. Um, and so then she confronts Alex and acts like a huge bitch. So he seems to still be trying to find her a space. And he says he's, he doesn't want to get her hopes up and he doesn't want to tell her anything until he has a confirmed space, which seems fair given her reaction to the cancellation of space number one. A hundred percent. And he calls her out and says, you don't even have the art done. Like get the art done and then we can talk about this. And she says that they just, they're not two people that should work together. And he says, oh, you want to work with someone else? <laughs> like, go ahead. And then Claudia, who is standing there as witness, says, you need to chill out. You're going all Yoko Ono on us. Um, I don't really love that comment. I was torn. Because at first when she said it, I was like, oh my God, like, how racist. Like, to just compare her to this, you know, because Yoko Ono is Asian. And like, that's, I felt like it was racist. But then I thought about it and like, Yoko was known for running roughshod over the Beatles and like controlling John and doing whatever she wants. And she's an artist. And so I think it's, I don't know. It was a very fine line for me. I, I was like, this is, you know, I don't, is this okay? Is this not okay? I'm still kind of on the fence about it. Yeah. Uh, and she, Claudia says that. Um, this is where her- she knocks it out of the park with the definitely like not okay comment, but go ahead. Oh, the whipping boy comment. Oh, no, the um, gays, and, gays and Asians, I can't handle you anymore. Oh, I didn't even write that one down. <laughs> yeah, there are quite a few comments in a row that were not great. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Angela and Alex have not resolved anything. She still does not have a space, and now they're mad at each other. And- I don't, I mean, I get why she's mad at him, because she's an insane person and can't see clearly. But he does, she doesn't have a leg to stand on. He has every right to be mad at her. Yeah, she wants an event space tomorrow for free like it's yeah. just, it's not and helpful. she wants him to put in all of this work for free yeah like, and it's hard to find a venue i mean it's not like he's just sitting on his ass i mean it's hard work do we know what he does did they ever give mm-hmm. him a descriptor when we met him or i, I just was, assumed he was in pr or events or something me too but yeah. i didn't know if we ever got confirmation of that and i mean he could be a promoter i don't know who knows yeah and then in our final few scenes, which I feel like we can talk about all in one since they go together, um, yeah. Amy gets ready to go downtown to the Eli Klein gallery because she's going to bring Liz cupcakes and find out what's going on with Liz. <clears throat> the cupcake thing was a little confusing to me because she said she was going to bring Liz cupcakes, but then she texted Liz to ask Liz what kind of cupcakes Eli likes. So I thought that was a little weird. No, apparently she texted Eli. Oh, she texted Eli. I misheard that. I thought she texted yeah. Liz. No, Liz says... Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense because I was very confused. Liz says to Maggie, I guess Amy just texted Eli and she's stopping by with cupcakes. Oh, okay. I misheard. Yeah. So anyway, she, she does text Eli and she stops by with cupcakes from Magnolia Bakery and says that she was in the neighborhood, but according to her, she went all the way down there just to do this. I had a very hard time with this whole thing because of the like secondhand awkward and embarrassment I felt for Amy. It was a little hard to watch. It was. Because uh, poor Amy, I mean, she's just like a puppy that you like kick and it just comes back to you for more. Like she's has such low self-esteem and she just wants everybody to like her and on the one hand, she is a sweet, nice person, but as someone who's had people like that in my life who I find incredibly annoying, like, I get where Liz is, like, I feel bad for Amy, but I also get where Liz is coming from, so I'm very torn. Same. Um, And the cupcakes looked amazing. They sure did. 
And Liz said, clearly we're not that good of friends if she doesn't even know about my allergy and that I can't eat these. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Liz agrees. See, that's what I mean about them just running in the same circles but not having been friends all those years because she's right. Like, if someone had a gluten allergy, like, I mean, I still remember this girl from kindergarten that had a dairy allergy because we had to use rice milk and we had cereal um, day, day one day at school. And that was in kindergarten. Her name yeah. is Tori Garden. I will remember that forever. And I haven't seen her since like 10th grade. So it, it, she's right about that. Like if they were truly friends, Amy would know about her allergy. Yeah, that's true. I still remember a kid in my class who was diabetic. And then we had a hemophiliac kid in my class too. So we'd be killed yeah, see? at recess. Yeah. That's why I think that she and Amy just went to the same schools. And that's it. Yeah. And I could see Amy being more old school about it where you just remain friendly with people. So like they're both in New York. They're both from Miami. They went to the same school. So Amy thinks therefore they are friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, But anyway, Liz agrees to go to coffee with her. And again, Amy looks cute. Her hair is not overly curled. I liked her dress. Her makeup was purple, which I don't love, but it was softer than that horrible heavy eyeliner that she wears sometimes. And Liz kind of... (laughs) You know, Amy is being a little desperate and a little creepy in this whole endeavor. But then Liz, like, cuts her down to size, like, so honestly. She's not wrong, but it's so painful. And she says, like, you know, you drink excessively. You're, what does she say? You're fake sometimes. And just, like, oh, God. I felt bad for her, even though I agreed with what Liz was saying. (laughs) The delivery was so harsh. It was very hard to watch. But in my notes, I wrote, Liz knows exactly who you are, Amy. (laughs) Yeah. And she does. But I mean, yeah, it was very hard to watch. And it was also hard to watch. I'm sure this is also hard for Liz, too, because Amy is in some hardcore denial, like, especially about the drinking when she was like, oh, I'm not the girl that gets wasted. I'm like, "Um, we've only had four episodes. I've seen you wasted five times. Like, you are the girl that gets wasted. She said, and I quote, I don't get wasted, Liz. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely (laughs) do. Um, so she definitely doesn't have a very good sense of self when it comes to that. No. And then... So, you know, they, we have to watch this painful exchange and Liz ends it by, Liz thinks it went great, you know, and somehow Amy thinks it went pretty well too, but Liz says like, and Liz just can't even like feign support for Amy at all. She's just so dry. Liz is very dry. And she says, I don't know, maybe you should get a therapist or something. Yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> no, I know, but that's like, you could tell Liz thought she was being super supportive by saying that. I my favorite part of all of this was when Amy just says um I'm gonna be at like a coffee shop down the street so when Liz left did she just poke her head into like every coffee shop and bar restaurant all all up and down the block until she found her like who doesn't say like I'm gonna be at such and such at the corner like so I'm so dumb and random but I wonder if it was because that they didn't say the name of the place because they were having trouble getting filming permits because they were sitting on the sidewalk and they didn't show the name of the place they were either. Yeah. So yeah. maybe the place didn't want to be named on camera. I don't know. But I just thought it was weird. Be like, oh yeah, like if someone came to my work and be like, I'm, I'm going to be somewhere around here when you get free at whatever time, just come meet me. Well, yeah. uh, where? I know. I also, <laughs> one of my favorite parts was that, you know, Liz is taking Amy to task and saying like, you're uncomfortable in your own skin. You're a kiss ass here, blah, blah, blah. And Amy <laughs> says like, well, I'm really sorry if I made you uncomfortable. I really like your shirt, by the way. That's not me being a kiss ass. I just really like your shirt. And, and she keeps talking. It's like, Amy, stop, honey, please stop. Please. I know. I, when she said the thing about the shirt, I wanted to crawl under my couch out of embarrassment for her. I'm like, you're just redoing all the things that annoy her about you. I know. And that's where we leave it. This episode was kind of, was kind of sad. It was kind of sad. Um, but um, next week looks good. We get Angela's art show finally, it looks like, I'm hoping. Yep. Yep. Um, Maggie has a job interview. And then we get the Suck Lord. Yes, Claudia meets with an artist named Suck Lord. Who, shockingly, I've heard of. Oh, God. Here we go. No, I mean, like, I just, like, I, I don't, can't remember from where, but I definitely have heard of him. I actually, Justice for Smith, too. Why was he not at Carrie's housewarming party, by the way? Who? Smith, her hairdresser. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's that. That is that. Um, All right, well, we will be coming to you guys again in two weeks with another episode of Gallery Girls. We hope that you are all hanging in there and enjoying the first few days of 2021. And we look forward to good things in the future. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebe at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.